Welcome to the Playmaker Podcast, a podcast for people who want to sell different. Playmakers wage war against traditional sales and win. Remember, success is just one play away. Welcome, everybody, to the Playmaker Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about how to objectify the sales process and how to do that efficiently when you think about the time that reps actually have to sell. Now, to do that, um, I I ran into this person, and I thought, God, this might be an interesting talk track. Such great experience that I wanted to bring on Caroline Robinson. Now, she's the director of Sandler Training in Cambridge over in the UK, Great experience. I saw some stuff she did. I thought it would be great to bring her on, dive into this talk track as we think about how to objectify different things we do in sales. So, Caroline, thanks for joining, and how the heck are you? Oh, thank you. Very glad to be here, and I'm really well. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. Well, I know it's uh, late in your day, so we're going to make this <laughs> short and sweet so she can get to her wine bottle. She said it. I didn't. Um, but um, before we jump into the talk track, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and what you do over there at Sandler? Yeah. Can I just clarify? It's a Friday night here, and it's not just every night. I'm looking for the wine <laughs> yeah, that's bottle. right. That's right. Good point. Yes. Touche. Touche. So in Sandler, um, yes. Yeah, so so we're a, a sales training, sales management leadership company. So we're working with companies, anything from small to medium-sized enterprises, all the way up to Fortune 500s, helping them to get more effective at their selling, increase their, their profitable growth. I love it. I love it. And you've been with them um, for a while, right? I mean, doing the, yeah. working on different engagements. It looked like it was over set six, seven, eight years or so. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Coming up for seven years. My yes. goodness. Yeah, that's a long that's time. Well, <laughs> right. Well, I'm sure that's a lot of sales knowledge. We're going to try to steal that from you here in just a minute. Outside of work, um, I always like to put people on the spot. Are you uh, you're big into climbing mountains or anything kind of crazy like that? Well, I guess climbing mountains isn't crazy, but anything unique about yourself you want to share? <laughs> um, I'm not sure it's terribly unique, but it was sport. I love sport. Yeah. So um love doing a bit of adventure racing. So that's multidiscipline sports in all sorts of exciting places. So yeah, that's that's my passion. Uh, yeah, I like to outside. yeah, it's funny, you know, I mean, for salespeople, it's almost, it should almost be required, I think, to be involved in sport just because there's so many applicability, so many lessons I think you can kind of learn in competition and relationships, team building, et cetera, et cetera. So can't blame you for that one. Last question before we get in. Um, you're on an elevator. You've got someone who says, oh my goodness, Sandler, I love those guys. I'm trying to become a sales leader or expert or marketing leader and expert. Any quick advice before my floor dings here in 30 seconds? Anything you'd say? Yeah, I think I'd say to them, never, ever stop learning. I'd look at people as to whether they're a sponge or they're a rock in terms of their openness to learning and to growth. I think as we become more experienced and and maybe get a bit older, sometimes we tend towards creeping towards becoming a bit of a rock. So I think having real awareness of are you still as open-minded to new ideas, new concepts, and applying those as effectively as you can. Yeah. So important. I love it. I love it. All right, let's dive in because I actually feel like that that helps in kind of the rest of the conversation as we talk about how you probably need to learn one of these skill sets that we'll be talking about. Um, this idea, salespeople are so subjective naturally, just in their behavior, and I feel like they have a hard time 
managing their day because of it, because it, it's so, and I, I can't blame them, right? It's like a new lead comes in. Ooh, should I go after that? Okay. I've got a, an upsell opportunity. Ooh, should I go after that? And I've been working this opportunity and it's like, ooh, should I go after that? And, and time management and, and who I should prioritize. And it becomes probably one of the most important things in sales is how do you spend your time in, in the most efficient way? And so wanting to just start at that high level, have you seen this to be a big problem in your interactions? And if so, what paint the picture, what does it look like? I think it's a huge problem. I really do. Um, I think regardless of the the type of sales environment you're in, I see it all the time that people are getting sucked into investing their time in the wrong places, um, you know, whether that's with the wrong activities or I guess particularly we're going to talk about today, is it the wrong um, opportunities that you're vest- investing your time in? I mean, how, you know, are you actually able to really evaluate should I keep investing time in that particular opportunity or should I be prepared to walk away from that and, and put my energy over here, whether that's for generating new leads or nurturing other opportunities? I think it's an enormous problem. I really do. Yeah. I mean, we actually just did a time study. For those of you who are interested, we actually polled um, 750 salespeople and we asked them where they spend their time. And fascinating. I mean, again, it's only 750, but it came out that sales reps reported only spending 35% of their time doing activities that actually are selling because they had so many other things that they often get caught up in administrative tasks, um, you, you know, fires, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And so even the time they spend selling, I think it's crazy, but even the time just around it gets crazy. So I want to focus on the first part, which is just of the time they do spend selling, how can they do it right? So let's start at the beginning is I'm a sales rep and I'm trying to figure out which opportunity or which lead can I actually, should I work? What's an evaluation process to start my mind thinking correctly about that? Yeah, great question. So, um, Let's take a step back because I guess the, the, the first question is why would you want to have an objective mm. evaluation process in place okay. to, to figure that out? Okay. And I think this becomes particularly important when we're talking about an enterprise world. So enterprise, I'm thinking, you know, there's long sales cycles. Um, you've got to invest a lot of time, effort and energy, both at an individual level, but also potentially resources within the company yep. to be able to win those opportunities. So if we think about Actually, if we're not able to evaluate which opportunities we've got, a, we have got a good chance of winning and are, would be good business for us, the risk is that we're investing 12, 18 months, two years of time and resources in, in opportunities just, that yeah. just aren't right. That's devastating. And it is, isn't it? And you think about the opportunity cost of that as well. It's, it, you know, let alone what it's actually costing the business in terms of the resources or the actual financial outlay. You know, when you start to add it up, those figures become a little bit eye-watering, particularly when you're in that enterprise world. Well, and I don't think, to your point, it's funny. We talk about time wasters and optimization and things like that. But, man, just that concept of the time spent working the wrong opportunity, I I don't know if anybody's ever quantified it, et cetera, but I think it could just be... I mean, absolutely detrimental to the whole company and the, the ability to hit your number. And we don't talk about it maybe enough. Agreed. Yeah. So, I mean, I've got clients where they've added it up and, you know, these are ones who are operating in an enterprise world, but for them, it runs into the tens of thousands. Interesting. Yeah, it's got really it. Really significant cost. Yeah. So, if you can do anything to um, 
more quickly identify which are the right ones for you to pursue and which ones must you walk away from early on, then it really can make a substantial difference to the bottom line of the organization. It just can be game changer. Okay. So I appreciate you. You're right. So there, there is a need just because of the detriment it can hamper, I think, on a company if you don't have that objective piece in your sales process. So now let's go into that next step then. So how do you start thinking about what is the right way to look at it? Okay. Okay. So I'm going to put, put, put quite an enterprise focus to this okay. um, because that's where I think the, the biggest um, cost is overall. Mm. So if we kind of put that lens to it, I think there's a few things that we need to really um, have in place if we're going to have an objective process to enable this kind of evaluation. One is getting our mindset right in the first place because this isn't just about evaluating a new opportunity um, when it first comes in front of you, it's not just about at that point, do we walk away or do we pursue it? It's actually having the belief that you've got to be evaluating that throughout the sales process, you know, particularly in this enterprise world, what it could be going on for a really long period of time. And things change all the time in that enterprise world. So, you know, what might be the right decision at at day one might have fundamentally changed six or 12 months into the, the sales process which means that you might need to walk away at that point. So having that mindset both at the beginning and then all the way through the process to do this evaluation. Hmm. So it isn't just a one-time thing. This is something that's got to be, you just, you got to have it kind of in the back of your mind as you walk through, even at the beginning, all the way to, you know, getting close to closing the deal. Okay. Got it. Got it. Absolutely. So let's think about what that process would then entail. So first thing you've got to do is figure out as as an individual or as an organization, what are your objective criteria that you need to use to evaluate um, whether or not it is a good opportunity for you? Yep. And whether or not if you want it, it will be the right kind of business for you. So, you know, there's there's a lot of criteria you could come up with here. Um, I mean, the way we look at it is really, you know, you typically typically look at it in three main areas. So one is around client issues, one is around sales team issues, and the other one is around finance or contracting issues. So mm-hmm. you can have some pretty big buckets under those. Okay. But if I give you a kind of a flavor of what they might look like. So under client issues, it could be things like, um, we've not worked with that client before. Or it could be, actually, we don't have multi-level relationships within that client. All our regs, okay. if you like, are in one basket. So that could be client issues. Sales team issues could be, well, actually, do you know what? This is outside our sweet spot. We've not really delivered this kind of work before. Clearly, that could be a risk. Yep. Um, or it could be things like, we don't know what the competition is for this opportunity. And then on the finance or contracting side, it could simply be that actually, you know, we believe we could win this, but actually not at an acceptable margin. Or that the the client will ask us to use their contract or their terms and conditions. And we know that typically that means we run into some challenges there. So they might be the kind of criteria that you'd want to think about ahead of time. So you can use them as an objective um, basis for evaluating are those issues areas hmm. where there may be risk associated for that particular opportunity? Okay, okay. So you so, can 
So you've got these. Yeah. So just a quick question and and maybe you'll get to this, but um, it sounds like you kind of went through different parts of the sales process. I mean, you know, some, I think were kind of more upfront, some were a little bit later contracting, et cetera. Do you feel like there is one, and I'm just curious, do you feel like there's one that often is a little more of something that just, it's the place where sales reps mess up the most, where they, they're, maybe they're just, maybe it is further down in the sales process. They're too far in the sales process. They've fallen in love with it and they can't pull, pull away. It's, 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 ah, they're too, too emotionally involved. The area that I consistently see trips people up is not knowing enough about the decision-making process on the client's side. Yeah, yeah. That's and, right. and and that applies, I think, even even when you're selling to smaller businesses, even even then there can yeah. be, we need to explore it in full detail. When you get into an enterprise world, that is a huge yeah. area that takes a lot of time to uncover. And that's the single biggest area that I think gets overlooked and not given enough emphasis yeah. and, and often trips us up. You know, one of the things when I hear you say that is it still feels like most because sometimes I feel like, look, you know, I worked at a company called Gallup, like the Gallup poll, the Gallup Strengths Finder. I don't know if you know those guys, if you run into them. But one of the mantras that they had was, you know, you should focus on your strengths to continue to grow instead of focusing on your weaknesses. But if you do have a weakness, you've got to find a way to manage around it. You've got to put a system in place. You've got to have one of your strengths overwhelm one of your weaknesses. But I feel like Boy, man, you're right. We've nailed, we've missed this part so much in identifying this kind of decision making process often. But I feel like there's not really a great, like CRM doesn't really enable me to do that. I don't visualize often an org charter. Sometimes we try to put like names next to contacts, but it's not very utilized. I just, I'm thinking, dang it, how can, I don't think there's a system to support the decision making awareness or process very well. But I'm wondering if you had a, a piece of advice or something that you'd say, you know, number one, Gabe, you just got to make sure it is part of your sales process as a sales rep and sales leader. Like, just make sure you're thinking about it. But number two, is there something we can do to do that better? Yeah, so, so yeah, okay, a couple of answers to that then. Yes, it's got to be a fundamental part of your sales process. So the way we look at it, we look, we've got... Um, within our sales process, three qualifi- three primary qualification compartments, one of which is pain, one's budget, and the third one is the decision-making process. Hmm. It has to be there yep. in any sales conversation you're going through in terms of how can we do it better. Um, I, I mean, I think one of the earlier podcasts you had was on Playbook. Um, and I think that decision-making hmm. um, process is something we can, we can Playbook or we can at least have a checklist yeah. around it in terms of, you know, it's it's pretty easy to, to to sit down and figure out what are the typical areas we would need to understand from a decision-making process. You know, get the team together, brainstorm it together, yeah. um, and 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 come up with the sort of checklist, if you like a master list of all the questions you might need to ask as part of that um, uh, that sales opportunity, I, yeah. that conversation, yeah. and then you use that as your reference point to keep going back and say, okay, so what have I covered so far? Where are my gaps? Where are my risks associated with that? How do do I mitigate them? Do you feel like, and I don't mean to go too far down on this one, but I just, I I mean, I feel like you kind of struck a chord because I'm just like, God, you know, sales hasn't changed for a long time. And I don't, I mean, we've been talking about this decision-making process for a long time and I don't know, certainly some companies get it, but certainly as an industry, we obviously haven't. And and it's just, it's not going away. Do you feel like there's a way to 
I've not, I don't know if I've seen companies do very well at like measuring this or reporting out on it. I feel like I've kind of seen some great companies, especially people who work with you guys. I've seen it really kind of identified in the sales process. They identify the different buyer types and they kind of have like a checklist of things that they do as they go through it. But I'm kind of scratching my head. Have I seen anybody who's kind of measured like how good are we at understanding the, 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 that, that decision-making process or identifying the different buyer types? Or is there a way to actually measure or report on this? Or am I kind of talking in circles here? Yeah, it's a good question. The only way I've really seen any form of evaluation, hmm. um, and it is a bit subjective, is just people doing debriefs at the end. Doing that, saying, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so looking back and seeing, well, where did we lose it? Um, Which is awesome. I way- think that's important. You're right. I mean, that, that's probably the place to start. That's Yeah, that's fair. Sorry, keep going. But, but I think the only way to do that that effectively is to know your sales process so that you yeah. can actually look back at the steps of the sales process and say, okay, so it didn't break down at the last sales step, at the last step of the process. Mm. What did I miss earlier? Two or three steps before that actually ended up with this one not closing. Yeah. And we just don't do that. I mean, there's so many things we just don't do in sales. I mean, that kind of win, <laughs> win-loss analysis. Now I'm like, dang it, she's right. That's also pretty important. And it's funny, the debriefing after the times when we win and lose deals just doesn't happen enough. Um, but we probably went far far enough down in, in that one. So we kind of <laughs> hit this concept of, you, you know, you hit some of these different points of how we can be more objective in the sales process. We went a little bit deeper into the decision-making process. I thought that was real interesting. We don't have time to go into all of them, but if you picked one other one, can we just dissect, you know, I don't know if it's a favorite or maybe the one you see maybe often as well. Is there one that kind of jumps to mind outside of that decision-making process? Oh, I could pick a big long list here. And the other one I think for me is around budget. And it sounds so obvious. We all know we've got to have good, effective budget conversations, but um, it's just an area so many of us, so many of our clients are uncomfortable talking about. So I think what it can lead us to is having surface conversations around budgets and not mm. being prepared to maybe probe really as deeply as we need to, to truly yeah. know that if we continue that opportunity, the, the, the level of budget is there, they're willing, they're able to invest it. We know where that money's going to come from. We know when it would be available, what's going to happen to get that money. It's really having that clarity around yeah. budget for me is another big area. Do you feel like the reason we don't go... So let's double click on this one for a minute. Do you feel like the reason... I mean, money's scary. You know, I don't like to talk to my wife about money. I don't like to talk to my accountant about money. Um, um, it's just, you know, sometimes it can be like, a, I don't want to have to deal with this. Certainly in the sales process, sometimes scary to kind of say, hey, do you have budget? Or is there a is there a cycle you guys are working towards? Or have you talked about funding a project like this? Um, just at a very high level, why do you think we don't get deep enough on that? Is it because of the fear? Is it because we don't know uh, the, the questions to ask? Is it people don't think it's important? Where, where would you kind of put the problem stemming from? I think it's a combination Comment, of those yeah. factors. For some people, I think it is that they are just genuinely uncomfortable having that conversation. Um, so they would prefer to either avoid it completely. So even if you, even if, if, if they figured out what were the best possible words I could do, how could I have that conversation right. in the most effective way? Even if they knew that, their discomfort about having that conversation would stop them from using it or stop them from doing it in, a, in an effective way. Yeah. Um, 
But I think there are other people who actually are, are conceptually, they're comfortable having talking about money, but they don't know the best way to do it. So, I mean, that's a pretty quick fix, to be honest. Yeah. You just have to learn. That's a training thing more than anything. Yeah, changing so your mindset. Changing mindset then actually understanding the way to do it are kind of two big things. I want to ask you about that in one second, but one question popped in my mind. I feel like there's been... Some people have pushed the idea, and maybe I'm thinking of you know some sales trainers out there that have said, "Look, you know, although I don't think in an enterprise, I, don't, I think this may be different." But let me just let, let me throw it out there and get, get your quick thoughts. You know, sometimes budgets aren't there. Well, I think tr- some sales trainers would argue budgets are never there; they need to be created, and you have to create the need. When the need is there, the budget appears. Um, do you feel like maybe one that's true, but um, if that is the case, does it matter as much to have the budget conversation if you're so good that you can, you know, make the need kind of come so the budget does happen? I, I mean, what, what quick thoughts on that? Um, so I think, um, okay, so I think it's really important to get very good at uncovering the need, right. the pain, as we would call it, right, right. and doing things like even quantifying how significant that, that pain is. So, you know, for example, if you didn't address that issue, what would that cost you? What would that cost the business in the next yeah, 12 months? Yeah, you guys months, go deep into pain. Yeah, I mean, I've loved that's, that. That's right. Yeah, yeah. really, really do. So then that then gives you a context for the budget conversation. But, but you know, uh, there are scenarios um, where you could really uncover an awful lot of pain and find out it's costing the business an awful lot of money, but for whatever reason, that budget is just not available. Right. Um, you know, it might be that that, although that pain is significant, there's actually a greater pain in another area, and that's hmm. got to be their first priority. Right. So, I think it's really important to uncover pain, but I don't think that is a guarantee of budget suddenly becoming available. So you're, um, I mean, and you know, you're, particularly in that enterprise world. Yeah, in the enterprise, I do feel, I mean, so it's at least, and again, you kind of mentioned, what were the three things you meant? You mentioned pain, budget was the last one, and what was your middle one that you typically kind of um, coach around? Quantifying pain. Quantifying pain. Um, so, I mean, your, your approach or your impression is, look, there may be different cases, you guys, but just avoiding the budget question as a general best practice is kind of, that's crazy. That, that's, I, you wouldn't I think it's absolute yeah. insanity. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay, good. I was going to put it as a little softer, but we can go with absolute insanity. Um, fair point. Um, so let's just then do one more click on this then. I mean, you mentioned just before I kind of rudely interrupted, although I just wanted to throw that out there was, you know, it can't, this is budget. This is one that can be somewhat coached around, you know, as you think about, trying to overcome maybe just the fear of asking around it, but also choosing some of the right words. And I'm interesting because I've gotten into sometimes look, reading and thinking about behavioral psychology and the way that you, even just, just, you know, that you say things, some people mock it, but, you know, is it a cost versus an investment? You know, I think there's truth to the way people perceive and the way we word a question or the way we talk about something it does make a huge difference. Have you found without giving away the secret sauce that there is a way to approach the budget conversation either with words or questions that, you know, is just a little more professional and actually gets you to where you want to go? Or is it like, it's really simple. Just ask them if they've got money, guys, come on. <laughs> no, I do. I think the wording is important. I do agree with you. Um, the other thing I think that's really important that's probably even more important than the wording is the tonality. Of yeah. how it's asked. Interesting. 
Interesting. Is there any examples that, again, without giving away the farm here, that you feel like, you know, I've found this to be a good way to talk about budget, or here's one sample that you'd want to use in a question format or a principle around talking about budget that you'd, you'd leave the audience with? Oh, there's so much. But I mean, if I had to really distill it down, I think part of it is ensuring that once you've really uncovered the pain and, and figured out what that pain's costing, that you summarize that. So you're playing those words back to the prospect, whoever it is you're talking to. And then once you've got their agreement that, that those are the right areas that they are, that if they found the right solution, they would be prepared to address those issues. Then it's a natural progression, I think, to start to talk about budgets. Got it. So one of the most important, you're probably right. I mean, one of the most important things is that you set it up right with that summarization of kind of the pain. I like that. Um, well, wow, Caroline, I think there's probably... 10 more things. There's probably a hundred more things to talk about. And as I assumed those seven years at Sandler, and we didn't even get into kind of what you, what you've done before that is uh, certainly come out in the mic. I appreciate it. It sounds like you, you know what you're talking about. Um, with, with that Phew. though, we'll, we'll, <laughs> Phew. yeah, you passed my test, you lucky Excellent. duck. Um, no, but, um, I, I mean, talk to us just briefly about Sandler. If we want to get in touch with you, learn a little bit more about what you guys do, what's the best way or what's the recommendation to do that? Yeah, I think really the best thing is um, very happy for people to reach out to me directly. Probably the best way of doing that is through LinkedIn. I'm pretty active on LinkedIn sharing sales hints and tips. Um, so love to get feedback on those from people. Um, or can it, uh, send me an email, uh, crobinson at sandler.com. Always happy to hear from people. Yeah, I've got to, I've got to reiterate that. Um, she Her LinkedIn, you guys, a lot of tips, a lot of uh, practical advice, and a lot of videos. You've been, Can you touch on that briefly? Um, some videos you've done, have you... You you experiencing good results with that? Are you feeling like people are more interactive with that? Or what's your quick thoughts on video? Yeah, so the video thing I've only been doing since the beginning of January. So what's that? Two and a half months. Okay. And it's been a really interesting experience. It's way, way harder than I yeah, ever thought it would yeah. be. And <laughs> but it's yeah, getting such good interaction, such good feedback from people. Um yeah, I'm loving it as a medium. I have to say, it's Good. It's, it's great. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, that that's come up. I'm I'm totally going off topic here, but um, <laughs> video has just been it's just been a big question for the audience. You know, um, should we use it? How should we use it? Is it something we can use? And how is there one kind of tip? I'm, I keep asking for tips. We've gotten like 15 from her, you guys. So, um, <laughs> is there one thing you'd kind of maybe summarize on video, like thinking about again a salesperson or a sales leader? Like maybe it is just guys be thinking about how to use video, or would you suggest? If, if you're doing video, keep it short or anything you found to be kind of successful? Um, yes. So I guess it's kind of interesting. It's kind of a, I sort of see that as part of a wider question in terms of within sales. How can we be using technology yeah. to help Dang support it. We, we may so have to have another episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. You're on. Um, but yeah, so from a video perspective, Yes. Oh my goodness me. Practice, 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 practice the point when you're no longer wooden. I love Um, it. I love it. I was so wooden when I first started and now I'm at the point where, you know, I just don't care. (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great one because it is video opens up a whole... And and you can just feel you can just feel when people are wooden. You can just be like, maybe that person shouldn't be doing video. But to your point, who cares if you're wooden? Start it, do it, 
practice it. Practice makes perfect. I love it. All right. Well, we've probably berated her with enough questions. Thank you so much, Caroline, for joining. For the audience, thank you. And remember, success is just one play away.